Good morning. Okay. So we are continuing in our learning of the Sefer HaMitzvot of the Rambam. And we began with mitzvah number one, which was to know and believe in God. Mitzvah number two was uh, the unity of God, which brings us to mitzvah number three, which is the love of God. And it's a clear hierarchy. So you know God, believe in God, believe in the uh, unity of God, which then leads to a love of God, which then leads to a fear, awe, reverence, however you want to translate Yirat Hashem, which we'll discuss next week. So what exactly is this mitzvah of Ahava Hashem, which is a very important mitzvah, and the Rambam, I didn't even bring down, I could have, just so you can see it, I probably should have, all the many, many times the Rambam discusses Ahava Hashem in, throughout the, his works, and each one adds a different facet, but I didn't want to only focus on the Rambam, but what exactly is the mitzvah of Ahava Hashem, and especially, we've kind of touched on a, a few times, whether it's in this year or another year, the concept of uh, commanding an emotion. Commanding an emotion. How can you command an emotion? How can you command to love God? It seems perhaps Rashi was bothered by this. So Rashi says the mitzvah of Ahavas Hashem to love God really is a mitzvah of having Ahava love when you do a mitzvah itself. Meaning it's not that you have to love God, you should love God, but the real command is to love doing the mitzvahs, to love and learn the Torah, etc. Uh, a little more attainable, but for the Rambam, it seems, and again, we've seen this over and over again, that many of the mitzvahs, many of the things we do, it are to bring to an internal, eternal kiyam, an eternal understanding, an eternal uh, uh, emotion, if you will, so that you actually have these true emotions, these true beliefs. So whether it's an area of uh, don't uh, be jealous, which even for the Rambam, in order to be liable, you have to do an action, but ultimately, even for the Rambam, there's, it's, it's supposed to build the interiority of the correct beliefs. So what does it mean to love God? How exactly does it work? So what I want to do right now is look how the Rambam formulates the mitzvah, then look how some of the, uh, the other Rishonim formulate the mitzvah of how one comes to love God. Again, most of it is, to love God is easy. Just say it. But how do you come to that? So then see how the Smad says one can come to appreciate and love God, and then see it was in the world of the Rambam what he has to say, and that's what we'll do. Any thoughts, comments, questions? Okay. So, says the Rambam, mitzvah number three, source number one, we have to come to love God, Yisallah, the exalted one. And when you think and contemplate on his commandments, his statements, and his actions, until you come to comprehend him, and then you derive the great pleasure from him. As in, I think what the Rambam is saying is the, way you, the only way you can actually love someone is if you understand and know them. The more you know someone, the more you come to love them. Especially if it's someone who's great, you meet someone who's really great and they have a certain charisma, so you want to know them more. You want to love them. So the Rambam is saying the more you, com- you uh, sit there and you contemplate God, you will come to love them. And is this love that we're obligated in? And as in the languages of free, the free tells us, V'haf the Kecha, how do you come to love God? Through his words, through the command of what shall be on your heart, you come to recognize he who said the world should come into being, as in through the word, through the Torah. It's interestingly that there are other, uh, uh, there are other mitzvahs that emerge from loving God. One would be Kedesh Hashem giving one's life up for Kiddush Hashem, the ultimate sacrifice. But then the Ram is going, I'm not going to read the whole Ram, and the Ram then says as follows, when you really love someone, so what do you do? Everywhere you go, you speak about them. Think about the couple that's engaged. 
and all they do is talk about each other. I nauseum. It's all the talking talk, but when you really love someone, you're thinking about them all the time, so you talk about them a lot. But more than that, you also want others to love them as well. So it's within this midst of the Rambam posits that there's a command of Kiruv to bring people closer to God. Because again, if you really love someone, so look what he says. He says, um, um, a second here. Uh, when, I'll read it in English. When comprehension of his truth comes to you, you without a doubt call out to the fools and silly ones to know the true knowledge that you know. You want to tell everyone, inform everyone, you have a mistaken belief, let me tell you about the person who I love. And language the free again says, you should love your uh, Hashem, your God, cause him to be loved by the creatures. As in, you want to not only, and this is actually an interesting part of the command, you don't only love God, but you should cause him to be loved. And who's the uh, prototype for this? Avramavinu. And it says, what did Avram do? Avram um, went out there, and he, there's a cryptic policy, but it says, Avram went with all the nephishes he made in Haran, all the souls he made in Haran. What's that a reference to? All the souls he made in Haran? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Because he, where did this idea of bringing people closer to God come from? It came from a place of love, not a place of truth. Obviously it's truth, but it really came from a place of love. And therefore, and therefore, it caused Avram to want to bring people closer to God as well. So the Rambam, later Rambam, before the Mitzvah, I think it's important that he talks about, A, you have to love God, and that love should cause you to want God to be beloved by others. Which is also what you ask, the way you comport yourself, but also that you, act, you, you are active and go out there to promote this concept of God and the love of God among others. So that's the Rambam set the stage. Again, the question is, how does one come to love God? God is beyond our comprehension. God is not in this world. How does one come to love God? So the Sefer Mitzvah Haggadah, the Smad, says something fascinating. And it's worth reading it inside. It says as follows. Look at the source number two. Kikama anashim osim mitzvah ha-melech she'enim osim osim lo'ente ha-avas ha-melech lo'ente kabal schar elam yiras ha-melech. Many people follow the Torah to fulfill the mitzvahs not because they love God, not because they want the reward for following the mitzvahs, but because they are fair. They are scared. They are fearful. God is almighty and all-powerful. They don't want to. They don't want to invoke the wrath of God. So they do what they feel is right. Again, not because of love and not because of schar, even, but because of fear. They don't want to be. Uh, they don't want harm to come to them in this world, and they don't want to go to Gehenna. They don't want. They don't want the punishment for the next world. Now there is an element that we do fulfill God's will because of a fear, which we'll discuss more next week. But that is not the ikr avoda. That is not the main reason why we serve God. Because what happens if you're only fearing, if you're only fulfilling the mitzvos, because you are afraid of the consequences if you go in violation of them? So really, says the Sefer you're just serving yourself. It's self-serving. You're afraid of consequence, so you do what? So you do you you, you do things for yourself. It's interesting in the in the world of uh, teaching, in the world of education. It's a similar idea about not always. And not everything should be reinforced with a price, because what you're telling children is not listen to me because it's the right thing to do or because it will make you a better person, but rather so that you get a reward. But that's just that's not always so healthy. He said, even the next level, 
even if you're not fearing God, you're not doing it out of fear, but just so you get schar, then as well, that's not, that's transactionary. That, that, that's, um, that's self-serving. Rather, the greatest mile, the greatest way one should go to serve God, you don't do things for reward, you don't do things because you're scared, you do things out of love. As I say, you do, you're motivated because you want to do the right thing. You're motivated for the right reasons. I always find it funny when people tell, will tell I know, it, I know you, you had this experience. I definitely had it many times where you have like a teacher say, we're going to the Bronx Zoo, don't litter, it's a Chil Hashem. You, know, you don't make a Chil Hashem. It's like, no, don't litter because it's the wrong thing to do. It's the wrong thing to do. That the motivation should be because you're doing what is right, not because you're afraid of the consequences, you're afraid how you're going to be perceived, you're, or because you want to reward the motivation for doing the mitzvahs, which ultimately is the, the compass, it's our moral compass, it's the way in which we should be living our life. So why should you be doing this for external reason? Do it because you really believe it's right. The question then becomes, as it says, but how does one come to this level? So it's a lofty level. It's very simple. If you sit and contemplate for a moment about all the goodness that God does for you in your life, and he says, and he starts going through it. Look at your body. Don't even think about the way in which your life played out. Look at your body. You come from nothing. And you created with many, with, with, you created a, a, a body with the coven, the coven, the chutz osulon, the coven, enayim, lahavet. Think about just you, you have eyes to see. Although it's behem, osulo, ma'ovafim, ulatzim enov, and you have you have eyelashes which clean your eyes. Belishes lo lahavet bara kamosh amadav ulatzim enov meres bara osulon the coven enayim l'shma asas. He goes, look at your eyes. This is like a, it's, a, it's a fascinating idea. Think about it for a moment the way in which our faces. Are created that we're, we that we, this, we have our, our forehead comes out a little bit so the sweat kind of runs away and then you have eyebrows which also prevent, prevent sweat from running into your eyes and you have eyelashes you're constantly cleaning your eyes and then you have eyes to see and you have secretions in your eyes to keep your eyes moist it's unbelievable just the eye itself is just an unbelievable thing and how it works the rods the cones it's 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 it's, it's amazing and you start thinking about that uh, every facet of your body it comes to a tremendous gratitude it's unbelievable it's really unbelievable. You know, if you ever get a cut, you just watch the cut over the, over the course of the week, how you, the, the greatest healing we have is the self-healing we have in our bodies. It's, 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 um, it's unbelievable. And you have the Nikovei Aznai, you hear, you have Nikovei Chutim, L'Ariach, L'Horib, Adifas, Lifas, Harosh, and you have your nose where you can smell and you, ha- and you, and you can expel the mucus and, and all the impurities in your body. You have a mouth to speak and to talk. Who here lost taste and smell over COVID? You still don't have it. And you really come to appreciate just how much taste. Okay, it's taste, big deal. You can live without taste, right? Yeah. Who needs taste? But somehow it just it adds so much to our life. The, um, the toast just points out in brachos that we, 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 we make the bracha achrona, we say, um, excuse me, we say, um, what we're saying that we thank God for the things we need and the things we don't need that God just gives us because He wants to give us a better life. I mean, those examples in apple. We can live without apples, but we love apples. And there are so many things in life that God just gives us just so that we can enjoy it and have a certain pleasure. And I think tasting is probably the uh, like we can live without taste. People live without taste. Or something. I have a good friend of mine. He can't smell. He, can't, he never was able to smell. He said over COVID. Now all these studies are coming out about smelling. What smell does for you? It's like it's amazing because there's very little research ever done because who cared about this? But suddenly. 
now know people can't smell so doing all this research into it. But if you think about it, it's like a, it's a pleasure God gave us just just to give us. Um, I'll give you one example. I don't. I can't smell barely. So people are like I smell gas, and I'm like, well, I did not. Well, in that area, well, you should know gas doesn't have actual smell. The, the, they, they put in there. The, correct. And he starts going, just, and you look at the way the mouth works, the tongue, and the saliva, just to make eating so easy. And again, we all know, we all appreciate this once we lose it. Anyone here who was in a situation that couldn't go to the bathroom? The most painful thing in the world. Selling at your Asher Yatsa makes so much more sense. And he was in a situation where they have trouble swallowing or the saliva is not produced, right? you realize how many things go into the fact that we can just live regular life and appreciate and enjoy regular life. So he goes on to say, I'm not going to read it all inside here, but he really starts going through every part of the body and showing how just it's unbelievable and amazing what God has given us. And you start contemplating this for a moment, you're like, oh, thank you, thank you. And things you don't always want to, you don't think to thank for, but suddenly you take a moment to think about it. You realize how amazing it is. And just the way in which our body regulates cold and hot. Like we all know this. In the summer, if it hits 50 degrees, we're shivering. Right now, if it's 50 degrees, we're like, oh, it's a beautiful day outside. Who needs a jacket? Just our bodies having this internal regulation about how we... So he goes through all these examples. And he says, when you do that, you sit there and you contemplate just the goodness that you have, even in your own body. It comes to a tremendous thanks. And he goes, where's that thanks coming from? It comes from someone who loves us, who gave us so much that we have. And that's one way to come to Abba Hashem. And I think it's even beyond that. If you look in your life, I, I was talking to a friend recently. He said, he said to me, look the last week of your life, write down everything that happened, you realize how things happen. I was talking to also a letter about this as well this week, how so much happens in your life that there's someone orchestrating it. Like just this mundane thing. And if you realize just how grateful we are, that itself leads to a tremendous ahava. So that's one approach. The smog, through, through gratitude, through looking at the things we take for granted and realizing... Oh wow, we really have so much. Again, the way our bodies are constructed is unbelievable. Any thoughts, comments? When I was a goy, I, I read Ashari Yatsar. First, I thought it was hilarious because he makes a blessing over it. But then I was like, this is actually pretty profound. All right. Converse people to Judaism. Is that tired from a goy or tired from a gym? Right here. Okay. You do the same thing when you're sick too. When you're feeling terrible and you're in bed, you don't realize all these things just throw at your nose at everything that goes into keeping you alive until it all hurts and you're sitting there miserable and then you're like, I'm sorry, I took for granted all these times when I just felt good moving around and wasn't miserable in bed all day. Precisely. Precisely. Fine. Approach number two comes from the Rambam. This is one of the most famous Rambams. I think all Rambams are famous. It says the Rambam. You thought? No? The Ram says, how does one come to love and fear God? They're two sides of the same coin, which we'll see more about the next week. When a person sits and contemplates, it's a similar idea, and looks at the world. And this is the Ram talking about more of the natural world, the sciences. And you realize how unbelievable it is. And you see the brilliance of the natural world. There's no... There's the, um, the, there's no, how does he translate it here? The many details, large and small, but I think also the, the how, just like, think about it. You look at the largest mountain and the most beautiful mountain range and the way the weather system works, the solar systems, we have this new, this new, this new telescope. I don't know if anyone see the pictures from this new telescope, the Webb telescope. There are, gal- there are billions of galaxies that are beyond us, and it's the most gorgeous pictures. And then you look at the, the atom, the smallest thing. 
and the subcategories of the atom. There's no error because no amount is big and no case is small. What happens? Miyad immediately, it's very interesting, the Ram says immediately, So if you're in tune and you're in tune with, their, your religion, with God, you want to know immediately, you, you, you have a thirst for the person who created it. You want to know who is it? How can it be? You know, this natural, it's a, a miyad, he says. It's immediate. You recognize this yearning for the tzomanash, the kelchai, for God. Like, and it's true. If, again, if you're in tune, you work on yourself that when you see something beautiful, you say, Marav Mashiach Hashem, you recognize where it comes from. And you're really in tune with that. So you have a certain, I mean, when you see a beautiful work of art, or even you see a play, a, a beautiful game of basketball, you kind of, you feel like a certain connection, you want to know them. Anyone have that experience? There's a certain charisma there. You see someone that's amazing, you want to know them. It's just, that's just kind of what, what, when we see, what's one of the, uh, one of the, I read this a couple of years ago, I read a book on charisma and how charisma operates. There are a couple of different methods of charisma, but one of them is when you, see, when you see perfection, where you see someone who's really good at what they do, there's an, people have a natural desire to get to know them, to, get, to feel close to them, or they do feel close to them. So, Ram, I'm saying, well, if you see the natural world, so the natural desire, who created this? We have a natural desire to get to know God more, to know more about this, and learn about it more. So he says, When this happens, by recognizing this, you come to love and you come to praise, and you have this tremendous desire and urge to know God. There's something off here with the text, but basically you get to know this. And then the Ram says, but the flip side is, the more you recognize how amazing and unbelievable and intricate the world is, you also, there's, there's a recoil. Where immediately he says, you realize just how small and puny you as a human being are. You're nothing. So that's where the yura, the, the awe, comes in, which we'll talk about more next week. But it's two, that's why I said it's two sides of the same coin. On the one, the more we get to know, the more amazed we are, the more we almost come to, come to this love, becomes this appreciation, but also that as a recoil that, you, as you, you know, pointed out, that little tiny thing which looks like a nothing, which is unbelievable, can also literally put you in bed for a week. And you can be a strong person, exercise, and it puts you in bed for a week, or worse. So what the Ramam is saying is that through contemplation of the universe and the natural world, you come to this tremendous ahava, this tremendous love. And I think, again, when, what it takes is a sort of calibration on our end to recognize that God is behind that. I think often we, especially in our, in our age, we, we kind of like, in a way, minimize God's presence. We don't, we think it's, it's, it's for me, think it's in Hashem. But when you recognize, no, that, the, that it is God behind it, so then, so then it, you could actually be in tune to this. Yes? Yeah. read somewhere that even uh, non-believers, when something happens to them, health-wise or otherwise, that kind of thing, Subconsciously, they're calling on God to. They're calling on someone, yeah. There's a, there's, a, there's a natural, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's step number one of the Rambam. What do you say? The old saying, there are no obsequious in a foxhole. <laughs> yeah. But I think also, there's a, there's a, we, we as humans are programmed. One of the things we're programmed for is awe, to look for the sense of awe. And we, we, and you, it's not something you can manufacture either, by the way. I think this is more of next week, but I'm on it. There was a very interesting article in the New York Times, a couple. Uh, right after, I think the first uh, spacecraft went up with the civilians, like what was Elon Musk? I don't know who, was Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos, whoever put it up first. With Lourdes, and Lourdes went up there, and the article basically said that people are chasing awe. That's not something you can manufacture. Awe comes when you are hit with a state of 
reel off because almost spontaneously. But to try to spend billions of dollars to go to space because you want to see something because you're not going to, it's not going to achieve the awe effect. But we are looking for awe. It's one of the things we look for is the transcendence, the awe. And by the way, that sense of awe, oftentimes part of what is in that sense of awe is the feeling of being a very shvila katana. We feel on the one hand you're so power, not powerful, you're so connected, but also how small you are. That's the awe, the spiritual experience. But that's again, next, well, more next thing. The Rambam then says as follows. So there's two aspects to coming to love God. He says this is very, much more, in the Hilchus, so yeah, Torah, it's much more focused on the natural, looking at the natural world, seeing how beautiful the natural world, how intricate it is, and that comes to a love. But in Hilchus Shuva, he says, he, he kind of says as well, it's through learning the Torah, keeping the mitzvahs. Which, by the way, interestingly, the Tanya, at the end of the Tanya, the Tanya, he says that just contemplating God is not going to bring you to the same level of love as performing mitzvahs. Why that is, he's a whole Kabbalistic thing, which I do not understand, but he, did, he does say that. The Ram here in Hilchus Shuva says, Dabri, do a bar. It's, it's, it's clear and everyone knows, Shaina Avat Kaddish Baruch Hu, Nisqrash, Beliva, Shaladam, Ashi, Yisaga, Botamid, Karoi. One cannot come to true love of God unless they're constantly working on this. They're constantly thinking about this. And you are able to push away, to leave behind all the things in this world and only focus on the love of God. What he means by this, in my opinion, is not that you sit there and not and leave everything in this world. I'm not involved in the Gashmias. I'm not involved in the physicality of this world. But I think what he means is that you're able to perceive everything in this world through the lens of God. As I just mentioned, when you see the beautiful vista, you go, I don't, I don't know if anyone has been to one of the, natural park, the national parks, and you see that something so gorgeous, rather than saying, oh, that's gorgeous, you say, it's so gorgeous that came from God. So you're not leaving this world. In fact, there's the, there's the Mishnah in Pirkei Avos that says anyone who's learning, and then turns and says, how beautiful is that tree? Mishai Benafsho. They have to, they have to pay for that. They, they're they're doing, the, doing the wrong thing. And Hirsch points out, the problem is not that they were learning and they took time away from the learning. The class is the same. You took, it's middle Torah. You're learning. How can you go look outside and say, what a beautiful tree? So we're not going to do this today. But uh, how can you do that? Hirsch says, no, that's not the problem. The problem is that what you're, you're doing is you're saying, I need to stop from engaging in holiness. So turn and look at the mundane and say, how beautiful is the tree? But you realize, no, it's all one and the same. The same God who created the Torah. That I can also come to appreciate God through the nature. So then that is how you're not, that is how you connect the two. And that's when the Ramadan says, you have to when you, when you leave when you uh, push away everything from this world but that what he means to say I believe is that everything is, is refracted through the lens of godliness through the lens of this came from God and you can do both by the way this is the drush we spoke a few weeks ago you're able to think, be a scientific person but also realize the science came from God as well the positive tells us all your heart with all your soul and the only way to know God, to come to love God, is through the knowledge. And through the amount you know God, that will be your love of God. A person has to spend time. It's not going to come to automatically. You have to set, set aside time to contemplate, to meditate, to think about, to come to learn, to know God, which comes through, in, the, in, in this context, I'm talking about Talmud Torah. Through learning the Torah, um, the only way, and again, the Ram reiterates, the only way to really come to love and go, know God is through knowing God. It's through the knowledge, again, it's intellectual, and it's true. The more you know someone, the more you come to love them, which comes through the Torah. And I think that the Ram, the two points I want to take out of this, and we'll end. The Ramadan gives us two, two approaches to loving God. One is through the natural world, and one is through the world of Torah and mitzvahs. What I think 
one can say, this isn't tough for me, I, I, I forgot what I saw this. I remember who said this. But they, say, they said as follows. That the point of opposition, and the point of any love, is to create a union between the lover and the beloved. That's what it is. That, the Ram says, can happen two ways. However, when one does it through the natural world, what they're, it, it, it's, it's two steps removed. Or it's a step removed. You're looking at the world, and that causes you to say, okay, fine, look at this beautiful world. Who created it? Wow. And then it comes to love of God. When you do it through the Torah, so what you're doing, the very fact you learn Torah itself, you don't need to, there's not, you're not missing that step. And as Zohar said, the Torah and God are one and the same. Just by performing the mitzvot, just by learning the Torah, so you already are engaged in the Word of God. You're engaged in, in learning about God. So it's a step closer than the natural world. So I'm not saying one shouldn't use the natural world. That should, that should be one of the ways of doing it. But the primary way is by going directly to the source. Right? I don't know if it's, again, I don't know if it's the who says this, but others give the analogy that the Torah in a way is God's diary. I mean, the Tanya kind of says this. The Torah is God's diary. That you want to know, you want to come to love someone, how do you love someone? You, you read their diary. Then you come to love them. The Torah is God's diary. You want to know God? Well, it's all there in the Torah. In fact, that's what the Tanya says. There are certain areas in the Torah which the, the Gemara tells us, Lo lo nibra. The Torah more one of them. The Torah more is never going to happen. So Tanya says, so why put it in the Torah? It's never going to be. Because that too is part of God's diary. It's part of what God wanted us to know about him. It's through learning Torah we really can come to the closest and the, mo- the closest connection, the closest love for God. And therefore, there's a hierarchy here as well. There's natural life, but it's also through learning Torah, performing the mitzvot, which is the primary way because that's the way we come to love God. But lastly, I think what's important to note is one could spend their entire day learning Torah or contemplating the world, but it's not going to lead, to, it's not axiomatic they're going to come to love God unless, and this is the important part we said again, they're able to push away everything from this world or to make that, draw that bridge between God and the world. In fact, if you look in the, in the Chobos Halavavos, the last source they have is the Chobos Halavavos, which is the, 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 the guide, the, uh, the, the obligations of one's heart. So he has an entire chapter on how one comes to love God. Where does he put that chapter? Only after the chapter on precious, the chapter on abstinence. Why is that so? so look what he says. Volcanic demo shire precious lashire I proceeded the gate of abstinence be- before the the uh, the chapter on love of God. Why Because it's impossible to establish love of God in our hearts if the love of this world is established there. But when the heart of the believer is empty from the love of this world and the free of its lust, as recognition, understanding the love of God of the Creator will establish in his heart and will be set in his soul according to his yearning to Him. What he's saying is as follows: that if we are so involved in this world and so involved in the way of this world, and in the, in the, in the physicality, in the gashmis, and the enjoyment of this world, so one's not going to come to love God either. To try to reach out to the transcendent, to want to have a connection to the transcendent, you have to prime yourself for that. Which means, I think a couple things just emerged from this this, 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 this this year. One is you have to set aside time. You set aside time to contemplate it, but you also have to recognize and set aside time to realize it. it's important to, to have, I think we call God talk. That if they, to say, you know, when you see something beautiful, to say, to say, that when you see something happen in this world, when you're learning Torah, to say, this is the word of God. I'm learning God's diary. To make that connection. And when you do that, you can push away just, I would say, in the world of the Rambam, push away this idea that there's the world outside, there's the world of Torah, but you see this one holistic world, so then one can immediately, he says, come to love God. Thoughts, questions, comments?